<laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, Eric. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you? Good. You uh, hanging out in the old car today? Yeah, I'm in my car, hoping to lessen the chance of technical difficulties. All right, I can dig it. Yeah, I'm outside my office, but things were a little spotty in there, so I'm enjoying the nice warmth of the sun, enjoying my Americano from Seven Stars, and we'll... Uh, the other room, you know, we had the setup going in the other room. And then you moved. And I moved to uh, to also prevent technical difficulties. I forgot my coffee, man. Now you're stuck with a bunch of sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> I got a bunch of shoes. I'm I do, I guess. Okay. Uh, so how week? Uh, week's been good. How about you? Uh, warm yesterday here at the shop and lost all power on. Oh, that is fun. Yeah, that's not good. Last week's storm, I, I got a, a branch, half a tree fell on my house. Oh. Yep. oh. Yeah. That was fun. Goodness. Um, everybody's okay, I hope. Everyone's good. I bought a chainsaw and got to work. <laughs> more like a, a man when you're using a chainsaw, you know? It's hard not to look like like you know what you're doing. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, I was very safe. I practiced all safety precautions that I could think of. All right, good deal. <laughs> so we... Uh, about um, discussing uh, foot strike form stuff, eh? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Like at the store here, we teach like a little clinic we call Good Form Running. Um, yep. A lot of different things, you know, like natural running, chi uh, running, um, and you know, I don't know which one's best. We liked good form running because it's easy. It's like four, yeah. like posture <laughs> mid, and I think it can get across to people pretty easily. What were the four uh, points again? You broke up a little bit. What are the four uh, points? Seven good posture, uh, yep. midfoot. Yep. Um, having a fairly high cadence of 180 steps per minute. Yep. And then which basically is just kind of letting Greg kind of do some of the work for you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so maybe we start, let's start more with like the foot strike and then get into the form thing. Sure. So, so do you have a specific question or do you want me to just go off on foot strike? Yeah. Let's, uh, so when I, when people come into the store here, what we do is we always look at the bottom of their shoe that they've been running in. Um, mm -hmm. And so they tend to always, without fail, focus on the outside of the heel where they like, either, like they're striking hard outside of the heel over yep. and over. And I, we, we tend to worry more about what's going up on in the forefoot there. Mm -hmm. um, so is there like a people should try to land on their foot like or is it kind of like um you kind of run how you run we we work with a brand called brooks and they have this like holistic approach to the way that they do support and yeah kind of like that so you kind of run how you run and they want to let the shoe do the work for you whereas i'm sure as a therapist 
you have other ideas. Um, Sometimes, not all the time. All right, cool. Yeah. So where land on our foot? So there's no shoulds. I don't want to should all over anyone, all right? I'm going to should all over myself all the time, but I'm not going to should all over any runner. So I'm going to start off by saying there is absolutely no one best foot strike for everyone. And as a therapist, we look well above the foot to see um, what's going on up the chain before we can um, decide if we want to mess with that or not. Uh, but I'm going to backpedal a little bit. So, and I do a lot of slow motion running video analysis. I've been doing it for like 15 years. And back in the day when we all read Born to Run and we all started eating chia seeds and tried the Vibram Five Fingers and Barefoot and you know, we found out that heel striking was the third leading cause of death in the country. That's a joke. It's not, but you know, so, but you know, with, with, it's a very trendy depending on where the research and what the marketing is doing on what people feel. And you guys have probably seen the waves of it coming through in the shoe industry, right? Um, yeah. I mean, one year minimalist is the thing. The next right? year, uh, maximalist. maximalist, right? Um, I always kind of, like say the truth typically is in the middle there somewhere you know yeah yeah, so, yeah. politics like <laughs> goes so does footwear the truth usually is in the middle no? yes and that's i find that with everything even advice on exercise like should i do crossfit should i be doing yoga should i be whatever this there's there's a, a right answer for everyone but there's not the same answer for everyone right so Here's what we do know. So let's start there. There is research out there that says if you do heal strike, um, you may increase um, your risk of injury. And there's studies out there that say that doesn't happen. Um, but this is what does happen when you heal strike. I'm not going to get too, too, too nerdy with all the physics and the forces, but when you heal strike, you have a, an extra like ground reaction force, this it's this little blip if you looked at the screen where it comes in pretty rapidly and pretty aggressively. You don't see that in the mid of four foot strike. So there is that extra little force that goes in there. Um, so yes, forces can come in faster and a little bit harder when you heel strike. That doesn't mean that you can't attenuate and handle those forces as a runner. Okay. So the problem that we see is, you know, people hear this or they read born to run or they were told they should be four foot striking because they see other people four foot striking and then they make the switch. So if you heel strike, you have those forces coming in and there's an extra stress on, there's a little more stress on the knee. If you go and switch to a mid foot or four foot strike because someone told you to, and you don't have the resiliency in your calf, your soleus muscle, your Achilles tendon or your plantar fascia, you just took load out of the heel and off the knee, but you just put it more into those structures. And if you're not gifted or you haven't been working on the strength of those muscles and tendons, now you're putting those muscles and tendons at more risk of an injury. Does that make sense? Um, when folks used to come in and ask us to transition to these lightweight shoes, and then yep. they um, go from zero to hero, they want to go from your Brooks adrenaline into a Vibram five fingers and they want to, I want to yeah, up in there. And two weeks later in the shoes, cause plantar fasciitis, they're uh, shattered. One of their metatarsals. So, right. 
like you got to work into it. You know? Yeah. So, all right. So let's backtrack. If someone came in and said, well, I want to go four foot striking. Like someone came in to see me, I would say, why? First of all, like, why, why do you think you need to make this change? If someone is a heel foot striker, um, but they have no risk, they have no injuries. They have not injury prone. They're doing pretty well. They're running the mileage they need to run. They're, you know, they're running fast enough. It all depends on why they're running. Are they running to race? Are they a professional? Are they a college runner, high school competitive athlete? Or are they just an old schmo like me who just wants to run for exercise? So the why is a big, important factor to consider. So I don't like to switch people if they're doing well. Um, if someone comes in and they have, they are injury prone, especially in one body part, then we'll look at the form. Um, we'll look at where they strike um, on their foot, but we'll also look at some other things at the pelvis and knee to see if we can paint a picture of, okay, I think I know why there's an increased load onto your knee, and this is why, and we can see that in the video. Um, the commonality that I've seen, I call it the trifecta. What I, what I kind of cringe at a little bit when I see, if I'm looking at a runner from the side, if they are an aggressive heel striker, so there's a lot of dorsiflexion on that ankle, and their knee is straight, and they're overstriding, they're hitting way out in front of their center of mass, those three things together, that's a recipe for you know an injury waiting to happen because the amount of force that's coming into the body. So with something like that, yeah, maybe some running cueing and some cadence work. This cadence work is an easy way to get the foot underneath them. Um, which you talked about with your good form running, which is awesome. Um, so when I see that, I might talk about trying to switch their cadence, get their hamstrings and glutes a little more active, get them to pull underneath a little more. And then naturally, when you work on those things, they'll tend to get off the back of their heel as much. And there was actually a study done a couple of years ago that differentiated even. All right. So you go, you have heel strikers, midfoot strikers, forefoot strikers. Then there was a study that said, okay, we have really aggressive heel strikers, and we have kind of on the front of your heel strikers. So they broke it down even more, and they actually found a big difference. So those people who are really outreaching and almost hitting on their Achilles tendons because they're overstriding so far, if we just pull that in a little bit, they're still heel striking. But if we pull that in a little bit, we can reduce forces and help them out. doesn't mean we're turning them into a four-foot striker. Like Am I making sense? Just a little chicken. Just a little bit. The good form running stuff is that that cadence thing is kind of one of the more important pieces of the four things. Yep. If you can cadence down, then it kind of forces you to get a little closer, but forces yep. you to a better posture. Um, yep. So focusing on that cadence is key. It is key. And, you know, 180 is that number that's out there. They say that's where you need to be. I mean, 180 is not carved in stone. There's a long story about how the 180 came from, but that's actually a pretty good, um, like, baseline number that we can all, like, if we're all talking, we're the, the shoe industry, the therapists, the coaches, we can all understand 180 is, like, a, a good way to compare, right? If you have someone that comes in with that trifecta that I was just talking about, they're overstriding, their knee is straight and their cadence is 142 steps per minute. Okay. Just by getting them up and just like going from a Brooks beast to a minimalist, you don't want to do that. You don't want to take someone from 142 strikes, foot strikes per minute to 180 right away. But there's a lot of room for improvement, right? So if you're running an eight minute mile 
and you have 140 foot strikes per minute, you still run an eight minute mile at 180 foot strikes per minute, you have to pull that foot in closely. You know, the, your, the, the step length is going to minimize, which is going to reduce some of those overstriding flaws that will lead to more injury. So it's a great way. And with a metronome app and a headphone, you can make gradual changes over the weeks. Um, it's, it's awkward for people. I don't know if you've ever done it because they feel like they're like scurrying along. Um, but as a, as a therapist and for injury, injury purposes, I think it's a, a great, easy tool and modification to make without screwing people's heads too much. Right. Like we did um, kind of look into it and you can actually download songs that are like 160 beats per minute and then you yeah. don't have to in your ear over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's but, yeah what I noticed too is like a lot of folks have uh, a little bit of an issue kind of getting the understanding that increasing your cadence doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to run um way faster so what i try to do is tell folks that the reason why we um are increasing that cadence is to get you to land a little bit more on the midfoot um and if you if you run you can take 180 steps per minute and go nowhere you can run in place right basically just trying to force them to shorten that stride up and get that foot under their hip. Um, yep. How do you explain it? Because they, sometimes they don't understand that like you're not going to run six minute pace just because you're taking that 180 steps per minute. No, no. So I got to be honest with you. You broke up for about 35 seconds there. So <laughs> I missed, I missed part of that. I'm sorry. So, you have to talk about how do I explain the cadence? What, what, what was the question? How do you explain the cadence? Because, like, they just, when I tell them, okay, we're going to go from 140 to 160, um, they think they got to go from running 10 minute pace to running eight minute pace. Oh, my cue. getting a little breaking up a little bit so while i wait for mike to reload here um what we do when we tell folks uh about that cadence um getting to 180 steps per minute is kind of the key um and so like mike was saying we want to kind of gradually build up to that um, so if you are at like 140 and we're trying to get you to 180, what we'll try, what we'll do is say, okay, just increase by say 10 steps per minute. And what that'll do is that'll help you, um, just build up gradually to that 180 steps. And you don't necessarily have to run faster. Um, you could, like I was saying, you could run 180 steps per minute and not go anywhere you can run in place um, what you want to think about is that stride length so one of the reason why elite athletes are so fast is they can have a super high cadence and get that stride length long and cover a ton of ground and also have really high cadence so they're covering ground very quickly um, with good form having quick um, steps doesn't necessarily mean you have to run quicker. Just 
if you're someone who wants to just kind of increase the cadence without increasing your pace, just shorten your stride length up and try to uh, take those uh, quick steps per minute. Um, and as I was saying, you could do a metronome, you could do a uh, song that's at 180 beats per minute, um, and uh, that should I tell you, I feel like such an old man here. I don't know what I'm doing. I had, <laughs> I, I had my phone on top of the steering wheel, and it got baked in the sun, and it's like, emergency, shut down, overheating. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, everybody. It don't have to really run really quick if you're at steps per minute. You can just short stride up and run the same pace that you run. Yes, you can. And that's why sometimes, although I don't love treadmills um, for things, treadmills for this is perfect. Because people can see if they're running an eight-minute mile and they're taking ten more steps per minute, they can actually do that without running faster. The treadmill will control them. Out on Earth, without a wearable like garment or something that's controlling their pace, they might end up running faster because they just don't. Um, they can't take in all those inputs and kind of factor in all those metrics to keep that pace going. So treadmill is a great way to learn how to increase your cadence, and then when it becomes a little more natural, take it out on the road. I don't know how to do. This Instagram live stuff, but I might know a few things about running. <laughs> we'll move off of Kate. But um, okay. what are some other things that folks should think about with having uh, trying to work on their running form? All right. So another easy. So I like we like we talked about cadence a lot, and I like that because it's an easy thing to fix and quantify and correct. Another thing you can work on is the sound of your running. So there's actually research, yeah, where they've measured the decibels of the foot strike. And they have a live feedback. So as you're running on a treadmill, um, you're hearing the pounding. And then they'll cue you, like, they'll use things like run tall, run, run softer, try to lessen that decibel meter. And when you see that bar going down as you're running, what they notice is people are just pulling their foot underneath them a little bit more. Their cadence may go up a tiny bit, but they're doing something to soften the load. And if you think about it, loud foot strikes are a lot of force, right? If you want to, the whole point of injury minimization with running is lessening the forces. So if you can run quieter, then you're, you're lessening forces somehow. So like a ninja, you want to be sneaky when you're running. You want to be a sneaky ninja. Yes, you do. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I have that problem when I'm like on the bike path and I'm like trying to be uh, have good form and uh, up. So, sorry, say it again. You feel bad? I don't know if anyone can hear. I can't hear anything. Uh, but 
So I, I, heard, I heard you there. Run quiet, right? Run quiet, yeah. Right. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm cracking up because this is turning into a shit show for my friends. <laughs> What else? Um, let's see. So another easily to monitor is arm swing. All right. So typically in running, your limbs want to go front to back. That's pretty much it. Like running, you're going straight ahead. So legs are going flexion extension. Arms should be going flexion extension. When you see those runners who have a lot of torso rotation, or if their arm is swinging across, so I call that an energy leap. That's extra forces and rotation of your trunk that you now need to control. So one is to find out why they're doing that. Because it could be as simple as you have really tight pecs because you're sitting on a computer all day long and because your shoulders are rounded forward because of bad posture that happens. Or sometimes there's weakness in the hips and you have this rotation effect, like inadequacy going on in the lower body and your arms are trying to compensate for it. So it's, an, it's like an engine light. It could indicate that there's something else going on. But a lot of times with that, you just cue people, you know, keep the hands by your side. Don't let them cross over midline. They can come in, into your body here. You just don't want them to cross all the way over. So that's another easy one. Yeah, yeah that works. Yeah. You know, I really wish I could read lips better, and I don't. <laughs> I don't know if it's me. If anyone listening live, like, send us a message. Can they hear Eric, or is it just me? Uh, yeah, I think it's me. You? I can hear you. You can hear me. Okay. All right. All right. Let me let me see if I read that right. This is fun. I hope people are enjoying this. <laughs> Did you just ask that there are exercises to do to improve running form? All right. Depending on what we're trying to improve, yes. Um, one thing I don't like to do is give people a lot of run thoughts. Um, so while they're running, they're thinking about arm swing here, got to hit on my midfoot, got to push off more, got to bend my knee. That just makes running miserable. It's like if you're a golfer having too many swing thoughts. So we don't want that. So we use corrective exercise to help retrain what we want to do on the run. So yes, there's things you can do. But one, I can't just give you like a ballpark. Yeah, do this because it will help. But with some of the things we talked about, getting your glutes and hamstrings more active and stronger will allow you to pull that foot down quicker. So after you're, you know, after you reach your foot out and it's about to hit the ground, if you can pull it under a little bit quicker to reduce that overstride and heel strike. So, you know, if you don't have access to a gym and you got a big stability ball at home lying on your back, put your heels on the ball, do some hamstring curls, um, do some single leg hamstring curls. You can do some standing hamstring exercise to try to really fire that, which is important. Um, and then I would probably say any sort of postural trunk correction you can do. Like we talked about those people who are leaning 
are tight and kind of curled in this way. If we can open up the chest by stretching out your pecs and your neck, yeah, you just sat up straight and saw that. <laughs> so if you can stretch out, a lot of times the posture is from tightness in the front, not necessarily a problem going on in the back, but we'll feel it. But any sort of stretching to the front of your hips, front of your chest, that'll open you up, that'll get you to run taller, and I can almost guarantee that you'll start running quieter. Your arm swing will straighten out, and you know, you'll get a little less of that high force coming in just by getting a little bit taller in your body. <laughs> I still can't hear you. All of <laughs> All right. Well, if everyone can hear me, thanks for joining in. I hope this was as comical to you as it was to me. Um, we're going to work this out, Eric, before next Thursday. Thursday's at 1030. We're doing our thing. We're going to have spot on. We're going to have volume. We're going to have pyrotechnics. It's going to be good next week. It's going to be fantastic. I heard that. Good. All right. Good. <laughs> now I can hear you now that we're done. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, I will see you next week. All right. And